Thank you for tuning into our podcast. We hope that you enjoy this message. You are welcome to visit us at 1800 Apostle Johnson Way in Annapolis, Maryland, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And be sure to check us out at www.thefcca.org. If you can, if you can turn to Matthew chapter 9, verse 17. We'll not be before you long. We're just going to take this one scripture and just watch how God moves. Matthew chapter 9, verse 17. I'll be reading from the New International Version. Those that have it, say amen. Okay, and the word of God goes this way. Neither do people pour new wine into old wine skins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Amen. Today, I'd like to speak to you simply from the topic, what got you here won't get you there. What got you here won't get you there. Let us pray. Dear Father, we ask that you would just continue to move in this place that your spirit is truly here, Lord. Bless these words, Father God. Hide me behind your cross, Lord, that the people will hear what you have to say on today. These are the blessings we ask in your son, Christ Jesus' name. Amen. All right. What got you here won't get you there. As Pastor was finishing up her series about Nehemiah, and she talked about the leaders at first, then she talked about the people. And it was such a great, great message. And as I was thinking about it, and I love what she said about the last part, coming out of captivity. It's not just a matter of just walking and coming out, but there's a change that has to take place. And it's so interesting. A lot of times when we think about change, we think about it from a perspective of something went wrong, something's going bad. But how many people know that sometimes we got to make a change even when we think something is going right? There's a book um, by a guy named Marshall Goldsmith called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Excellent, excellent book. Not a big book because y'all don't know me. They know me. I don't like big books. I like something that's an easy read. And this is a quick read. But it really got me thinking about Pastor's sermon and also about the movie um, Black Panther, which we'll talk about a little bit. But what I like about the book is it's not when a crisis happens that you need to make the change. But he was saying, make the change when things are going so-called well. So you can adjust for what's coming down the road. Excellent, excellent advice. And you think about where we are as a church and we just celebrated our anniversary. And you think about what got first Christian to where they were that very first Sunday. Compared to where we are even now. Just can't even imagine. But then even taking it further, we're now the part of that next generation that's going to take it from here and to the next level. And unfortunately, I got some bad news. What got us here is just not enough to get us there. 
we have to evolve, we have to change. And it's not just the pastor, it's not just the leaders, it's all of us. So that got me thinking about the movie Black Panther, which I know everybody saw it, but just a quick synopsis. It talks about after the death of his father, T'Challa, returns home from the African nation of Wakanda to take his rightful place as king. And when a powerful enemy suddenly appears, T'Challa's medal is tested, not just as a king, but as a Black Panther, because he's dealing with conflict that puts the people of Wakanda and the entire world at risk. Faced with treachery and danger, the young king must rally his allies and release the full power of the panther in order to defeat his foes and also secure the safety of the people. Within the movie, there's two challenges to me that I thought was pretty interesting. And it was T'Challa's dilemma on what type of king he should be and then which direction should he take Wakanda. These scenarios provide a great backdrop for the parable of the wineskins. Because in our text today, it tells us that only a new wineskin would have the capacity to stretch during the process of fermentation and not break. Only until the process is finished will it come to completion. It says that if the new wineskin was put in old wineskin, it would probably split, and then both the wine and the skin would be lost. Therefore, the making of new wine required new wine in the skins for successful change to take place. In the parable, Jesus emphasized that change must first occur internally before external change can happen. He said it was time for change where new approaches, new traditions, and new structures were required. And I know this is true because if you think about it in the beginning of the movie, Wakanda just existed. But at the end of the movie, Wakanda was an example. Today, God is telling us he doesn't want us just to exist. He wants us to be an example. And the only way that we can do this, we have to go through some changes. So the first point today is simply this. We have to admit that change is needed regardless of perceived success. We have to admit that change is needed regardless of perceived success. Well, what does that mean? Well, think about it from the Pharisees. See, what it took for the Pharisees to be spiritual was not enough for them to be relational. They had that spiritual piece down, but they were not relational. Even if you read in the text, they go back and try to ask Jesus a question like, yo, John the Baptist and his people, they be like fasting. If your disciples is all that, why y'all don't fast? Jesus had to tell them, they not me. <laughs> and John's people not rolling with me. Since he was there with his disciples, there was no need for them to fast at that time. Jesus said, that'll come later. But the whole point of that was the Pharisee was so stuck on tradition, they wasn't dealing with the relational piece. First Christian, for us, God is telling us some of our tradition is okay. But for us to make a difference in the community, it's got to be about relationships. Relationships. 
We have to. This is how we go to that next level. And you think about it from T'Challa. What it took for T'Challa to be a warrior was not enough for him to be a king. See, a lot of times we get mixed up that the little thing that's inside of us is enough to take us a long way. And it's really not. It's only to take you to a certain point. But after that, you have to do some different things. Think about that. T'Challa, I mean, he had the Black Panther power. But it still wasn't enough at that time that he was consecrated to really be the king right then and there. He still had to learn something. He still had to go through some things. The song that the choir song earlier, we heard about the, uh, the dance ministry, what they were dancing off of about enlarging the territory. I remember when that J-Bass prayer came out, that was hot back then. Enlarge my territory. How many people know that to enlarge your territory, I mean, you got to be stretched. And some of us stopped saying that prayer because we didn't want to be stretched. But that's what it takes. And even if you don't want to be stretched, I'm telling you now, God is still going to stretch you. Because there's greater things in you than you understand. And not only for T'Challa, but even for us as individuals, what it took for us to be saved is not enough for us to be a disciple. What it took for us to get saved is not enough to keep us as a disciple. How can you teach somebody something you don't know? How can you share with people things that you haven't experienced? We have to be real with people. We have to grow. That's why God allows us to go through trials. Some people are like, oh, man, I seem like I got more trials since I got saved than before I got saved. In a sense, that is true. But the difference is now you know how to deal with your trials. And now you also have a purpose of your trials because now your trials to serve as a testimony to somebody else. That's why God has got us working this thing today. Romans 12, 2 says it this way. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then and only then will you be able to approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So amazing. I was putting together this sermon and, you know, you start thinking about what got you here, won't get you there. And, you know, sometimes maybe it's not you, God, but for me, you know, I get a little egotistical and think that, Lord, I got it going on and, I'm okay right now, so I don't need to say a real serious prayer. But when I get to that point, God, I'll let you know. And don't you know, that's the whole time when we make big mistakes. We really should be approaching God while things seem to be going well. When we come out of a particular thing, instead of when we get in the middle of it. And I was thinking about God really got my attention this week. Um, Our job, and some of your jobs have it, have these competitive leadership programs. And some of them you have to put in different things, you know, put your record up there. And they have a panel that doesn't know you, but they review your stuff. And I'm going to admit it. You know, I just figured, hey, I already graduated from the mid-level leadership program two years ago, so I'm going to shoe in for the senior program. So what did I do? I get my little write-up, maybe add a couple little things, but not really a lot. And then submitted it just thinking that, What got me to the mid-level leadership program is surely going to get me in the senior leadership program. So how about I get this message on Friday? (laughs) 
Now, I got it on my regular phone, that job, but I had to forward it to this phone. And basically says that bottom line is you didn't get in. But I like how they put it. They said, but we want to encourage you to meet with your supervisor to address any concerns and provide some substantive feedback to enhance your selection opportunity in the future. But here's the part that really got me. And they're talking about what got you here won't get you there. They said, there's a couple of things that the panel had recognized on your submission. We just want to provide you a couple of things. And here's the main three that really got me. He said, when you submit next time, be concise and avoid restating information. So how about I only did a couple little things in my mind I thought was a lot and was big enough, and they read through it and said, you're really saying the same thing over and over. It's going to take a little bit more than that to get into the senior leader program. Then they said, be concise. No, they said, gain more leadership experience and or clearly state your leadership experience. I thought what I put down was good. <laughs> but apparently it wasn't enough. But what it did is challenged me to know, like, okay, from moving forward, now I got to go tackle some bigger things that I really didn't want to tackle if I want to go to the next level. And the last thing it said was really good. It said, ensure you provide relevant information and relevant training to this position that you want to move into. So in other words, the little training that I was bragging about really wasn't enough to get to this program. I mean, they couldn't make it no plainer. And it just stuck with me on Friday, like, Lord, you really are funny. Here I am, you ready to do the sermon, and you already gave me an example of personally, fresh, what got you here is not going to get you in this next program. So I say all that to say that even though I'm laughing and smiling now, but you know brother was hurt on Friday. <laughs> I ain't going to lie to you. Because I already got my little things to do list of how I want my career to go and what training I want next. I'm just going to be real with you. But God allowed my job to tell me that you're on cruise control. And you got your own plan. When are you going to get with my plan? Because only my plan is going to get you farther than what you're looking at. And that's how it is with us. So number two, second point is simply this. We have to apologize to those that are affected and develop a plan to make change. We have to apologize to those that are affected by what we do and then develop a plan to make that change. Because some people realize in the movie, uh, T'Challa realized that by him being the king, every decision that he made affected everybody else. It was cool as a Black Panther, because all he had to do was go out there and kill some stuff, protect somebody. But when you get ready to go to that next level, that's not enough. And there was even a great scene in the movie where the, one of the older council women said, right now Wakanda doesn't need a warrior. It needs a king. That's what God is trying to tell some of us today. A lot of you are really good fighters at what you do on a smaller scale. But God is saying, I need to take you all to a bigger scale. And this bigger scale that I'm taking you to is going to require a little bit more for you to partake in. That's why sometimes when you're on a council and you're in a particular ministry and you might turn in a budget thinking, I think this is going to be good enough to take us to the next level. 
But then you get word from the board of stewards that, no, nah, that's not enough. I need you to go back and relook that budget. Go back and pray on it. Go back and fill out what's going on around us in this community. Then come back and resubmit that budget. Why is that? Because there are certain things that God has intended for us to do as a church, and we got to get it right. That's why when you get picked as leaders, you don't just roll up and like, okay, I'm ready to take over some stuff. No, 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 no. There's training that you have to go to. Well, I like singing in the choir. Well, I got to learn about doing a budget. Because there may be some things where maybe the choir needs some training and needs some seminars, and we need to bring some people in here. And the people just not going to come on a phone call. They got to get paid. In order for them to get paid, you got to put together a budget. In order for you to be able to put together a budget, you got to have training. See, everything that God has us going through right now is really for a bigger purpose. So don't have your lips stuck out that you got to redo something. I know that's how you feel because I used to be that way. I did. I used to do all kind of budget stuff at my old church. I came here when I was a youth pastor. I put in something. It came back. I'm like, what? <laughs> it came back. <laughs> but God taught me, you need to learn how they do it at first Christian. You need to put a bit more into it. And I had to come. I had to humble myself. I had to come up there like, hey, here's what I think I got, but I'm not sure. Can you make sure this is what it should say? That's all a part of the learning that God has for all of us. And not just even in the church, even in our workplaces or even at our homes. We have to be prepared for this next level. So part of apologizing and then developing that plan, some of the simple things we got to do. First of all, stop believing that everyone else around you is confused. As leaders... And our awkward mind of thinking, we say clearly for me to be a branch chief, for me to be a team lead, for me to be a ministry leader, I must have everything going on as a leader. They wouldn't have picked me. That's the wrong mindset. You can't think like that if you want to grow to the next level. You cannot be that way. Another thing, stop believing constructive criticism is not meant for you. Stop believing that constructive criticism is not meant for you. How else are you going to grow? You got to be able to take that thing honestly and say, you know what? I appreciate that. That's why it's so important to have accountability partners. And you need to understand there's a difference between an accountability partner and a friend. See, a friend would just tell you some things, may listen to you a little bit. What do you think? Man, I think you already got it. That's a friend. An accountability partner go, well, wait, whoa, wait a minute. You told your wife that the budget is not big enough to do what she wants to do. But your friends want you to go on a motorcycle ride next month across the country. And now all of a sudden, the budget is okay. And you want me to sign off on what you're telling me that she's in the wrong and should understand that you should go on the motorcycle ride. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Doc, you got it. You got it. 
Nah, brother, you wrong. <laughs> you can't go on that motorcycle ride. No, you can't do that's wrong. <laughs> this is a this happened, uh, this was a real conversation. That I had to have with one of my accountability people. So y'all know I don't ride a motorcycle. It wasn't me on this end of it. But he had to understand that. No, no, that's mm-mm. I said, you want to go to the West Coast and she wanna go on a vacation. Y'all need to find somewhere in the middle where you can get there without being on a motorcycle. <laughs> that's what's gonna bring peace in that home. And luckily he's a good brother. And he after it was over, he said, you know what? I kind of knew that was right, but. I wanted to bounce it off of somebody to make sure it wasn't her. That's what accountability partner does. They tell you the truth. But you can hear the truth, but you got to make sure that you deal with the truth. You have to be able to take it and do something with it. And the last thing on this one is stop believing that your inputs as a leader are more significant than other people. We are so bad for that as leaders that no matter what everybody else brings to the table, my little bit is always going to be better than everybody else. Why would somebody promote an individual that has that type of mentality? Especially in today's world where everything is all about team building and working as a team and working with a team. That's one of the things that the author said in a book about how a lot of leaders get to a certain level but they can't get to that next level because they have all these bad habits. And then the presidents call this guy in and say, I need you to do some seminars or work one-on-one with so-and-so because I see their potential, but if they don't clean up this little thing right here, I can never promote them to that next level. That's the same thing God is telling us on today. He has promotions waiting for us, but we got to get rid of those little things so we can get to that next level. It's the same thing with T'Challa. Remember, the Black Panther, he was rolling solo. But it wasn't until he had to work with somebody else that he realized that, oh, I got to take a step back. And unfortunately, he didn't even figure that out in the beginning of the movie. Right? It took some beatdowns by the enemy. Even to the point, the funny side, where you think about his sister, even though he was this great Black Panther, he still want to roll around in a uniform where he gets to take off his helmet and hold up and get ready to fight. Let me put my helmet on. And she was like, no, 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 no. That's old tech. I'm trying to bring you to the new tech. Where all of a sudden you just hit a button and boom, the whole thing just turned black. And no one does it turn black, but anything that's thrown at you, and this is so good. Think about this from a spiritual perspective. Anything that's thrown at you is going to also increase the strength inside your uniform so as much as somebody throws at you as much as the enemy comes at you every blow that the enemy gives you all it's going to do is give you more strength come on oh wasn't that awesome think about that god doesn't just give us something to protect us but god puts inside of us that you're going to draw strength from your enemy's blows Oh, man, come on. I'm telling y'all, God is trying to tell us what got us here won't get us there. He has a plan for us. My last point, I'm out of here. Matthew 11:28 28 says, come to me all who are weary and burdened, 
and I will give you rest. The last point is simply this. We need to advertise your efforts to get better. But then you also need to kill anything that will keep you from your change. Advertise your efforts to get better, but kill anything that will keep you from your change. When I first read that, I was like, wait a minute, why I got to advertise my efforts to get better? They already know what my weaknesses are. People in the office already know who those supervisors are that don't listen. People in the office already know those supervisors that don't like taking anybody else's ideas. But that's exactly why you got to advertise it. You got to go to them and say, you know what? I am so sorry. I know that my actions have not been the right reflection of what a leader should be. So today, I just want to let you guys know that I recognize that. And the reason I'm telling you this, because I want you to help hold me accountable to be better than what I was. That's what real leaders do. I had a meeting um, a couple of months ago. And those of you that have younger kids, you know how it is. Sometimes you just have one of those weeks where everything is going crazy and you're getting out of the house late, which means you're dropping them off late, and then you're getting into the job late. Well, my job, my team sits on a different part of where I sit. So really, every time I'm late, they can't see it unless they're in the break area and I'm coming by. But most of the time, they didn't see it. And I was feeling some kind of bad, like, how am I holding these people accountable? And I'm coming in late. And even though I can't use kids as an excuse because we got to get up earlier, I got to do better. So one of the meetings we were having, I told them, I said, hey, guys, I just want to let y'all know that um, this whole past week, I've been late to work. And I apologized to you. And they were like, whoa, why are you apologizing? No, we didn't even know you was late. I said, it's not the fact that you knew or not. It was the fact that I was wrong. And I hope that you understand that just because I do something doesn't mean that you can do it next time. Because that's not what this is all about. This is about me correcting me. About me trying to get better. About me being in position where I'm supposed to be in position. Because 8 o'clock means 8 o'clock, not 8.45. But that talk wasn't about them. It was about me. How many times as a leader you would hope that you have that type of character, that you can have those type of conversations with your people? Because that's what God wants us to do. We have to admit that we got to get better. And the part about killing anything that keeps you from the change, that's real. Because if you're trying to change something, you're trying to change the behavior, you can't be dancing around with this thing. You can't be playing around with this thing. There's been many times in Scripture where God told the people to go take over the land and then not overtake over the land, but destroy everything that's in it. I don't know why when we read the Bible, we always think it's all this love story and Jesus is love and God loves me. He has some tough lessons in there, too. But don't get caught up on, oh, man, why God take the people out like that? Focus on why he said it. Why did he say it? Because he knows there's some things that people are doing around you that you can't do. And if you don't kill those bad habits, if you don't take away those people from your inner circle, they can still be outside friends, but they cannot be your inner circle. Because God is taking you to another place that they don't understand. 
And then after a while, you start making excuses for your own behavior. And you know what's so bad about a Christian sometimes? We love to say this statement, well, you know, I might be bad, but my stuff ain't as bad as so-and-so. Right? My stuff ain't as bad as so-and-so. See, that's the problem. Because now you're basically trying to give yourself an opt-out on how to get to the level that God is calling you to go to. So now you're delaying your own blessing. And then you're delaying your own blessing, you may be delaying your family's blessing. And now you're delaying your family blessing, now you may be developing some generational curses. And now that you're developing some generational curses, now your kids, 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 are growing up in a situation that they should not be growing up in. This thing is deep. God is trying to tell us today, wake up. So we got to kill some things, right? We got to kill desire to make destructive comments. A lot of times we are our worst enemy. Pastor said before, the people was coming across out of um, captivity, trying to go to Jerusalem. You know there was some crazy conversation going on in the back. Man, I can't believe Nehemiah got us going here. I wouldn't be surprised soon we get over there. They're ready to kill us. Destructive comments. No, you got to go in it thinking already like, okay, if God said it, I believe it. That's why that song was so powerful. Because it's not going to be a situation where we're in church and we're all lovey-dovey and everything is going good that we can sing that song. We need to remember that song after today when we leave here and some stuff gets thrown at us. Kill the desire to make excuses. Kill the desire to make excuses. That is another thing as a leader that we got to deal with. Well, the church not filled up because, you know, pastor sermons, you know, they're just not hitting where they used to hit. No, no, no. Church is not filled up because we as disciples are not bringing in more disciples. The pastor's job is to train the people. The people's job is to bring in more disciples. The pastor's job is to cast a vision. The people's job is to bring the vision down to the people. Don't make excuses. If your ministry is not growing, look at the leader. Look at him. I don't understand, Pastor. This sock hop used to be the thing back in the 70s. I don't know why that youth ministry don't want me to add that to trunk for treat. Mm-mm, no sock hops. And the last thing we need to kill is we need to kill the desire to cling to the past. We have to kill the desire to cling to the past. Why? Because the past is comfortable. The past, I feel good. The past, I didn't have to do a whole lot. But this is not the past. And you're not 12 no more. You 32, 42, 52, 62. <laughs> you should be doing something different. You should be thinking different. You should have higher goals. Come on now. Kill that desire to 
live in the past. Because if you don't do that, then you're going against the scripture that says what's ahead of you is greater than what was before you. So God is trying to pull you forward and you're trying to pull back. I don't want to go there. The church leaders trying to trick me. They want me to go in the back room so I can be a leader. I ain't going to the meeting. Come to the meeting. Come to the meeting. <laughs> we got to talk to you. We got to get to know who you are. You need to know who's praying for you during the week. You need to know who's got your back when something goes down. You need to know that when you're in a transition, hey, there's a brother I met in the back. They told me he's a mathematician. And man, I think I need to get a tutor for my son. That's why this type of conversation is good because you don't have to go out and pay all this money when God got talent right here before you. It's just amazing how God's kingdom works. But what's so good about it, it's not just for certain people. God got blessings for everybody. God has assignments for everybody. And what we need to do is put ourselves in position to be ready for the change. In closing, God wants us to deal with whatever is keeping us from our change in order for all of us to get to the next level. And there are some times where I know some of you came to church, you got beat up a little bit. You feel like you've been beat up. But you need to be like T'Challa. When he came back and re-looked everything and stopped trying to be by himself, and he went and surrounded himself with a team, and he weaned back. And just when Killmonger thought he was about to do the final blow and launch the ships, one of the ships got knocked down. And he was like, what in the world? Favorite scene in the movie, T'Challa coming out, saying what? I am not dead, as you can see. <laughs> awesome. But you need to tell the enemy that today. I am not dead, as you can see. You may have did a little bit of things to my family, but I am not dead. You may have wounded me a little bit on the job, but I am not dead. I am still here. So if I'm still here, what does that mean? The challenge is still going on. And that's where all of you are today. Your challenge is still going on. But the good news is we already know who's going to win. So again, do what you have to do. Why? Because what got you here won't get you there. God bless you, First Christian. At the city conference, come forward. I ask everybody to stand before. Again, we're not going to be before you very long, but we just want to make sure that you understand that, again, God has a plan for all of us. And that plan doesn't just stop when we get saved. But in order for us to move forward in that plan, we got to make sure we're in God's hand. So today, we want to make sure we offer you the plan of salvation. If there's anybody here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their true leader, we want you to come forward with boldness. 
Start walking with the Lord and let him know that you want to make a change. You want to get to that next level. And everybody has a different next level because that's how life is. We never stop growing. If that's you, we ask that you will come forward. Give your hand to Jesus. Allow this church family to help you make it to wherever it is that God wants you to get to. Is there anybody there? Salvation is in the house. Maybe there's somebody that you've been coming to church and you've never been baptized. But now we're asking that you will come forward as well and be baptized. Just basically just showing that you're on the lower side. If there's anyone. It's not just for children. You can be baptized as an adult or a teenager as well. Will you come? Salvation, baptism. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Because that's what today is all about. God knows everything that's going on in our lives, and he's telling us, I can only do so much if you don't let me. This is the let me part. Salvation, baptism. There's some of you here, you've been coming to church for a minute, but you're not a member. We want to offer you membership on today. Will you come forward? Join First Christian as we try to help this community by using all the gifts that we have. Will you come forward? Church membership.